Hello everyone, it's Erica here from the User Guide to Humans Learning Hub and I'm here with Katie Eden Todd to talk about the MFN relationship styles and why relationships are so hard. Welcome Katie. Thank you for having me. Love talking relationships. Having been a therapist for over 30 years and done thousands of groups as well, really a day comes up where we're not talking relationships, Erica. And we're not just talking partnerships here, are we? We're talking parenting relationships or relationships with our parents or with somebody. A relationships is what we have to deal with every day of our lives. Yeah, and this is a slightly different take. We've, we've been speaking a lot in this podcast about the persona archetypes, the 10 archetypes, and, yep. and learning about those. So let's just uh, start off by saying that this, this is obviously connected, but it's quite unique in its approach. The MFN language, as opposed to the persona language, addresses how we react, how we behave and think and the things that we say in the places we go when we're in pain in relationships, when we're relating to people, when, mm -hmm. we, when we're wanting love from someone and not getting it. This mm -hmm. is what we're talking about. It is what we're talking about, but it's still archetypes, yes. which is really, really interesting. And we start off always by saying um, an archetype is two sides of a coin or there's a spectrum of light and shadow. And we have some really great strengths. The masculine, the feminine, the neutral have some stunning strengths, and that's where we want to go to. And whatever our mode combination that we have, we have a couple, but we have a dominant one, we're always going to be like that. That's just the innate. You've gone there without even thinking of it in a nanosecond, Erica. But the shadow side in how we relate, our style of operating the world, the stories we say to ourselves, what we think matters, our values, but our way of connecting, the way you and I might relate, for instance, or me and anyone, you and anyone, it's just it's in there and there are pitfalls there and there are big potholes and craters in the road and we keep falling down the same ones and with certain people we keep getting it wrong, other people it's a bit easier, but we don't really know how to walk around the crater and operate differently in ways that we hear others and they hear us. It's so deeply rooted in us. It comes from it comes from somewhere primal almost, the way that the belief systems that we have in place. And it's really hard to to stop in the moment and, and not react when we're triggered in relationships because I don't know, for me it feels like it goes straight to the to the person I am, to my to my inner value and lovability. And the triggers are so powerful. The triggers I, are powerful. They are. I behave the worst in relationships. Like I would never, I would never go out in the world and go to work and and show the, the darkness that I will show to the person I love the most in the world. Why is that? It's so interesting. People can put on very good fronts out in the world and they know not to go there at work. They'd be embarrassed. Sometimes it does slip over they can't control it but at home we can't be on all the time mm. and we are all have some inner places of lack and being rejected being misunderstood 
being unheard and unseen, it hits to core wounds that we carry with us, Erica. And when we see it, we've experienced it in some way, shape or form with some people as we grew up in childhood. And then when it happens in our relationships, it's like it's already a pretty big crater there and it adds to it. And after a while, we just, we're, it's, a, it's a hair trigger. We're in there reacting, then they react back and then we're in the same patterns. And it's actually pretty soul-destroying and, and deeply disheartening because we're wanting to have a closer connection. Mm. But the way we handle particular areas of conflict or misunderstanding in our relationship, be it through heated argument or coldness and just don't deal with it, it, it creates a further and further gap in our relationship. So we can be quite lonely and unhappy and or know that I can't be a certain way in this relationship because this will happen. So I'm going to just cut that part off and, oh, I can't be that way and I don't want them being that way, so they need to cut that off. It's all about it feels very rejecting of our wholeness of who we are. So we're very vulnerable in relationships and none of us take very kindly to being rejected. And also none of us get taught how to do relationships well. I mean, I have to say, I grew up in a very loving family and a loving household, and I find relationships incredibly hard. You know, it's it, it's something that I've been working on for a long time, and I'm in a really strong relationship right now, but it takes a lot of work, and I'm having to learn it now. And I am 40, Katie. I'm sure <laughs> there's a way of learning this stuff before. Nobody learns uh, how to do relationships well, and our parents were never taught. They had access to far less information than we ever did, Erica. Uh, there was just no conversations about this and go back through the generations. And there's some pretty poor patterns of how you are supposed to be behaving in a relationship and what's approved of and what isn't, which doesn't suit most people. Uh, the reasons we come together in relationships usually are not for love even though we might think they were initially, that's a really big thing to have a look at. That's a strong statement. Most people don't really haven't seen what an adult loving relationship looks like. So if you haven't been taught it, how on earth are you supposed to live it? Mm. So let's let's dig in. Tell me about the language. I'll tell you about I will, I will. So we've got masculines, light and shadow, feminines, light and shadow, neutrals, light and shadow. Now, this has got nothing to do with gender, people. So I am a primary masculine and then I've got feminine neutral. Erica is a primary neutral. My husband is a primary feminine. That doesn't mean he's whatever you might want to associate that. He's an FM. There are various combinations. You're born like this. I think that's important to say you are born like this. You can present as one way at work and one way at home, but we're interested in relationships, aren't we? So... Shall I go through the way that they get in trouble? Because I think sometimes that's the best way to understand which one you may have. What's your reaction to a trigger? I'm asking everyone who's listening. Something goes wrong. Something is hurtful. Something hard happens. Where do you go? So what does a, a masculine do? Well, the masculine fights. They're fiery. They're hot. They argue. It's not their fault. They're superior. They get louder. They'll go to war to defend themselves. They're always right. They're quite arrogant. They'll out-argue you and afterwards they will not apologise and they are often told whatever gender the dominant masculine is, you're way too much, you're way over the top. They're, re they're often angry but they're also very passionate and 
decisive and courageous and they make things happen and they can be exciting and they're born leaders, but you can see it gets into trouble. So these people have been told they're too much, too loud, too angry, especially if they're women with masculines. And they don't really know what to do with it. Like, it's ugly, it's bad, it's wrong. Don't be like that. And they have been too arrogant and they have thought it's all about, well, I'll make it about me, shall I? It's all about me and what I'm doing is more important and what I think is more important and it's right. And you can't prove to me that it isn't right. Is there anything you want to add to beautiful dominant masculines, Erica? Well, just to say that I just want to acknowledge that the shadow masculine is often celebrated in society and set up as a as a beacon of what to be if you're a if you identify as a man these are very strong traits you're supposed to be dominant you're supposed to be a a fighter and you're supposed to have strong goals and a strong opinion of yourself and it's it's often encouraged so i i I know my husband is a dominant masculine. Uh-huh. Um, he's he's doing this work with me, which I'm eternally grateful for. I don't think he'll listen to this podcast, so I can get away with talking about him. Um, everything, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for a dominant masculine man mm-hmm. in particular, this coming to terms with the shadow side and having the the regret and humility required to dial that shadow back in the moment is huge it is uh hugely powerful a huge gift of love to whoever's in their life but still let's let's just put that out there it doesn't come naturally so when we're in child when we're operating as an under five-year-old and most people are in child most of the time and particularly when life is difficult let's say you're overtired you're sick you're financially struggling you're in a job you hate you've got a really difficult child you're having to put your parent in care you have to move house and you don't know where you're going to live next. The rent's gone up $200 and you could barely afford it before. When these life situations happen, let alone anything bigger like climate change issues, whatever happen, we can regress into child, into our worst default settings, Erica, Mm -hmm. and the masculine will come in and they'll be extraordinarily opinionated. Mm -hmm. They're right. It's their way or the highway. I hope the people listening, I don't think... I think they're going to know that they're like that. If someone wants to um, challenge them on anything, they just fight straight away. So if if some people have thought they were masculines, but they're not, this is how strong it is. And to not speak and not fire up takes a hell of a lot of work. And you can't say, oh, I think I was masculine, but I've learned how to control it and I don't do that now. No, you're not a dominant masculine. You're one of the others. You're neutral probably or feminine, but you are not because dominant masculines, to not fire up and catch fire when they lit the match. Mm. It, it takes so much work. So that arrogant, that opinion, they deaf, don't listen to anyone. They just want to force and push through. They want to succeed. It's going to happen. And they can sort of bulldoze people. They, and they do that. Now, obviously, that's not a great relationship style. It's not a great parenting style. And they can be intoxicated with their own sense of power. Mm. and it's about a power struggle and they don't it's like someone coming to take the crown and you're a conspirator about to take my power well I'll I'll take you down Mm. so lots of things there there's brilliant things in the dominant masculines obviously but they have such a sense of superiority that they're better than neutrals and better than feminines but if you were a dominant masculine and you're female as a girl young woman woman older woman as I am 
it's still frowned, it was frowned upon for me last Saturday, as you know, Erica, I won't tell the story again, but like wherever I go, I'm still too much and I shouldn't be so opinionated and I shouldn't feel things so forcefully and I shouldn't use that language. I shouldn't say I hate things. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be gleeful in watching people get their just desserts. I shouldn't be apparently, but I am. It's very interesting. That's masculine. So I'm saying that and I'm exposing myself in child. So that it's really easy for people to go regardless of their quiz scores. Oh, my God, that is, I do that. That's my first port of call. Like I get triggered, that's where I go. Triggered, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's so a don't argument. So this is the first lesson essentially in doing this work is trying to figure out what your dominant is. There's a few ways of doing this. You've got a quiz on the website and, and there's a few resources and um, on our Facebook group and things like that. But uh, let, let's move on to um, the neutrals, which uh, I'm you happy to represent me. here. <laughs> please do, please do. So we get the dominant neutrals and, and where they can go. Um, they also believe they're superior, but in a different way, don't they, Erica? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm very familiar. So uh, speaking for us neutrals, we often think when we are in child, especially that dominant masculines who rage and shout and uh, behave like insane maniacs, um, we just write them off because they cannot be trusted to do anything sensible. They're out of control. They're too dot 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 whatever but we write them off we don't uh, we don't like to associate with that kind of energy it's a bit too much it's a bit scary and yeah we we like to be uh comfortable and in control thank you very much Indeed. and the feminines we look down upon because we see their vulnerability and their their huge displays of emotion as um, is, yeah it's uncomfortable and Honestly, when we're in child, we think it's pathetic and embarrassing. Yeah. Neutrals find feminines absolutely pathetic, sentimental, embarrassing, and how can you do such public displays of emotion and cry and wail about how hard it is for you like that? Neutrals would rather die than anyone ever see them shed a tear. They're so private. So thank you for sharing that. That's true for every dominant neutral. Dominant neutrals want to have distance from emotion. They actually do not like intense emotion or vulnerable emotion. Either way, it's too much. It's wrong. In fact, I think therefore I am. So could we just stay in the mind? Thank you very much. Can we be sensible? Can we use rational common sense? Can we be pragmatic? Can we step back a bit now? Could we get that bucket of cold water and just douse the stupid fucking masculines who are off their trees and do all that damage? Can you feminists grow up and sort yourselves out, pull yourselves together and then come along if you can, not, if you can speak without crying. Mm. And could we just take over here because this is the way to go. We're going to go calm. We're going to research. We're going to be sure we know what we're doing mm -hmm. and this is how it's going to be. So in a relationship, Erica, with a neutral, they while the masculines are too hot, the neutral is straight away going to try and deaden the emotion in themselves and distance from the emotion in themselves mm. and then from the other person. Mm. And if they see them going to either of those, they just pull away, they judge them, they do a little, there's a little tut like the school principal going, you get a D minus for that. You, you have nothing that's valid to say. If it has emotion attached to it, you are invalid. Your feeling is invalid. Mm. You want to see a masculine go off their tree and behave like a tantruming two-year-old, just mm. 
Someone did it the other day with me. I didn't go off, but I'll tell you what, it took 35 years of therapy not to. It is my greatest trigger. So neutrals are actually frightened of that intensity and lack of control and being publicly humiliated. And it's about, I want to stay separate. I want to stay, I want to be totally self-reliant. I don't want to have to ask for anything or need anything. I want to be separate. I'm overly independent. The masculines want their royal court of people who serve them and look up to them as the leader. So the neutrals want to be totally self-sufficient. So I don't have to ask you, Erica, for anything. And then I won't get hurt. That's that's the mis, the misinformation that is in it. So it's always about distancing. So when a conflict happens in a relationship, if you're a dominant neutral, in the light, in the adult, they're brilliant negotiators and let's find common ground and let's go there. But they still want to discount the emotion. They still want to discount the pain and they still move away from their own pain. They compartmentalise. And so a lot of the time they just go mute and they're not speaking. They disengage until you can behave yourself. And then I might speak to you later, but I'm disappointed. And I think you need to address this and this and this. And I think this course or this book would be good for you to read so you can lift your game. Mm. And we are particularly good at hiding in our busyness. I do so much around here. It's always oh. me. I worked 60 hours last week. And you know, how, how can you bring me these problems right now? Can't you see how much I've got on my plate? That's just yes. acceptable. Yeah. And I'm working to provide and you can't ask any more of me. Do you know what? I have? This is not the right time to discuss our relationship issues. Mm. I'm up to here. This mm. is not it, but there's never a right time. It's like those people who say we really need to look at what to do about guns after a massacre in the US. Mm. This is not the time to discuss gun violence in a country after the floods. This is not the time to discuss climate change um, emission standards. Oh, for fuck's sake. It is the time. But dark neutrals will say, no, it's not. Let's wait till everything's calmed down. We can have a rational conversation. Well, of course, pain in relationships isn't about being calm and rational and let's have an agenda at a meeting. And, no, you didn't put it in the minutes last time, Erica, so, no, we're not discussing that because... You've ambushed me. I, I wasn't expecting us to talk about that. We're not doing that. So it's about control, keeping things separate. Neutrals actually don't know who they are. Mm. They know they think very well. They're very competent work-wise, but they're not. They don't know how they are. And they know they're frightened of intense emotion, and that therefore they make it wrong. And I'm not saying that the masculines and the feminines, when they're in child, they are hideous. At both of them, I am totally hideous. I totally get that. But in the light, emotions extraordinarily important in connection and intimacy in relationship health. Yes, no, that's all true. And I just want to remind people: we're talking about the shadow side of these dominant traits right now. Don't don't worry. There's some good stuff. But um... I'll just let me give the neutrals a, a tad. <laughs> So neutrals, great responsibility, work ethic, the demand for justice, the caring for others, being of service and working hard on behalf of others, they make a big difference. They have really um, strongly based in ethics and responsibility, whereas the the uh, masculines can just go, well, if I want it, I'm entitled to it and rule over others. It's very much me, me, me. In neutrals are not that they are we've got to get the world operating better for others and so they do work and they're comfortable in their work areas but they're not good at intimacy mm. so a relationship with a neutral can feel lonely and cold and distant and that I'm 
I'm too much, I'm too sentimental, I'm too hot, I'm too something or other. And then they punish us by withdrawing and saying, whereas a masculine will rage at you, which is bullying. There's no two ways about it. They aggressively attack others, especially when they're vulnerable in child. So, But that's the light side of neutrals. And we need all three in adult for our society to work. Yes. They're all exceptionally stunning. But what we're trying to look at today is just, well, where can I go wrong, particularly when I'm most challenged? What might be happening that's not helping our my relationship? It might be with my son or my daughter or my friend. And also just to mention that when we when we're in pain, when we're challenged and when we're struggling, we can pick and choose a little bit from all of the MFN traits. We tend to have a default, but well, let's cover feminine as well so people have a, a full picture of the all of the hideous shadow traits that humans can display. Indeed, indeed. There's a few styles within the feminine, which is really interesting. And the feminines do not feel superior and entitled like masculines, and they don't feel intellectually um, and emotionally superior because they don't go to emotions. Like the neutrals, feminines have actually been very, very badly abused, as we can understand in our patriarchal society for a long time. So they're submissive. They feel not good enough. They feel that they are needing and grateful to be attached. They are codependent, submissive, passive, pleasing. Though if things don't go well, they can go one of two ways. They can go more mute, more passive and pleasing and just get walked over. Um, and then some feminines think they've got the masculine, but it's not. They can be very tearful and very upset and they want their partner to be a mind reader and to know that they're feeling a bit low about this or not good enough here and why aren't you supporting me more and saying more or helping me more do things. It's very childlike in expecting the partner to parent in this and they just they don't know who they are. It's the one that knows themselves least because of our history in the world. They know themselves least. They attach by pleasing and becoming what they think the other one wants. And then as time goes on and the honeymoon passes, we can get quiet passivity, subservience, and then they, they have a loss of respect and they get walked over. And if a masculine or a neutral sees a feminine doing that, they walk over them more because they don't, they're not, they're not coming presenting as a partner here. Mm. And yet they've always thought, I'm just the virtuous one. You know, people are so mean, I'm so nice, and I don't get angry, and um, I just do everything I can for them. Well, they've got no self-respect. They haven't learnt how to navigate conflict. They go mute, they're frightened, they're paralysed. They don't want to be alone. If you have a terror of being alone for whatever reason, then you will put up with worse and worse and worse and worse to stay attached, and this is what the feminine does. And by putting up with worse and worse and worse, they're giving permission for that to happen. I don't care whether they say so or not. Their actions are saying that. Their staying says that. And that creates a really awful, awful, painful dynamic. And then the other thing that can happen with certain feminines, not all of them, is they go off in tearful tantrums and meltdowns and lose the plot and cry and scream and wail and they bring out their poor me story and woe is me story and they're seeking anyone and everyone to parent them. Let me tell you, feminines, that is not attractive. No one wants to come and be your partner because you just look like a very needy child, which you are. Another one can be I'm just so locked in sadness all the time and I'm crying all the time and it's so hard. I mean, it's just so heavy and down. And then the other ones are mute. Mm. They're just there in a dog's body and why didn't you do this and you should have done that and the children speak to them like that too. And their response is, oh, I'm so sorry. 
I, I'm, I know you want to do that. I'm sorry about that. Or um, please don't speak to me like that, they say to the dark, aggressive masculine <coughs> who sees that as a, a green light gets stuck in because there's no respect, there's no boundaries. If boundaries have been an issue for you, dominant feminine is very likely to be your port of call. Whatever you get in the quiz, can I just say to the feminines, they're going to want to do the quiz more times than anyone else on the planet. They might get different results and it's just a guide. This is far more accurate to see, no, I do do that. I do the pleasing. I apologise when I shouldn't apologise, whereas the other two don't apologise, Erica. Mm. I overly apologise. Oh, yes, it must be me. I'm so sorry. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. They are coming in from such a subservient inferior. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm so grateful that you even looked at me attachment style, codependency, that it sets up a horrible imbalance in the relationship that's really a very dark role modelling. And I think many of us may have seen this in parents and grandparents' as marriages, actually. Mm, I think so too. I think so too. I think there's a great thirst out there for people who who have gotten to the point and I don't think everyone is there I think there's a huge reluctance in a lot of people to look at their relationships because they don't they don't know what they're going to find out and, and they don't want to go there and that's fine then you know there'll be a time maybe in the future when this work is for you but I just want to say for anyone out there who who's aware that they go to child and who's ready to start owning a few things and instead of going straight to my partner as such an X, Y, Z, go to actually, I want to know where I go to. Where do I sabotage my relationship? Yeah. Because if you can't get to that point, there's, it, you, you don't really have anywhere to start, do you? You can go to a counselor or a therapist and go, here's what he did or here's what she did. Yeah. Tell him yeah. off, you know, please. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people do that. And if I bring my partner, Katie, to you for a session, do you think you could sort them out and tell them? Because I don't know how to say it to them. Would you tell them for me? I can't tell you how many times, hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times, Erica. So this is self-development work. This is owning everything. So there's a few resources. Like I said, you, I'm going to pop um, a link to the quiz in um, in the bio and also if you found this podcast on on our facebook page you'll find a link to the quiz there if you're interested in knowing what your dominant is uh, feel free go and do the quiz and leave us leave us a message yeah. um, in the future podcast episodes katie i would like to solve some of our listeners problems i've already had a few people send me some questions about relationships and this includes actually a couple on parenting which is really interesting because we all know that parenting can be really hard and knowing how to parent dominant relating styles from your relating style for me that's it's yeah. solved 79 percent of my parenting issues let's be let's be real <laughs> yeah it does. It, if you can understand this is me and this is me when I'm fabulous and this is me when I'm not fabulous. And when I'm not fabulous, I notice my three children, they would variously go off in their particular ways, Erica, when I'm not doing well. If I'm good, that's fine. But I was trying to talk to them from dominant masculine. None of my children have got dominant masculine, mm. two neutrals and a feminine. And it's like, oh, my God. And, you know, all our children are different. But if we could speak to them, in their dominant mode, they would feel seen and heard. Imagine that. Wow. Imagine growing up without that big hole in your heart of lack that makes our children grow up to attach to partners from a point of lack 
which is where all of us are now. We're dealing with the fallout of relationship choices that have been made from a lack rather from a love. And it's, I'm sure we'll get into this in, in future episodes, but I am so excited about this language and how accessible it makes these discussions because mm-hmm. we have we have people doing training in this now. And what they've found is having the language, the the shared connectivity of, of this work to talk about relationship problems with takes away the blame. It takes yeah. away the conflict. It takes away, you know, the, you know, when someone says to you, hey, um, could we have could we have a conversation once the kids go to bed? Oh, and people and just ice, go tear ice up. in your belly, going, "Oh shit, what did I do now?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead, of going, "Hey, I've had some thoughts about the MFN thing, and I, I think I've realized a few things about myself." Yeah. Like, yeah, tell me, yes. I know. And oh. you know what? You can also do, Erica. I can come and say, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry about that." My masculine, I was just so child in my masculine. This isn't saying I am such a bad person, an unlovable person, and such such a useless person. It's none of that. It's saying, oh, I get it. I'm so sorry. I was so child masculine then and I overstepped the mark. I get it. I'm really sorry that was not okay. But it's it's like a distance that you are totally owning it, but you're not shaming yourself. No. It's yeah. really, really helpful. We are all going to hit pain and we can do the pain, pain and blame and shame of ourselves and others really well. But this gives you this uh, separate language out here which just describes it. Oh, I fell into shadow feminine again. I'm so, I can see what I did there. Oh, look, I'm aware of it. And the thing that happens, the more fluent you become with this language is you can catch yourself in the moment being in there. But then after a while you catch yourself before you go there and before you put the child stuff into your parenting or your relationship or to yourself, that is so empowering. Mm. Know that the worst bits of me, I really don't want to hurt people with that anymore, Erica. Like I deep, because my self-esteem plummets and I hate myself so much more, I really, really, I know I've got good qualities, but when I see myself do the dark masculine, I might look like I'm shameless and I don't care. I'm dying inside. I feel so terrible that I fell to that place. So I've been practising this for a long time, people, a long time in some very, very challenging life situations. And I and I, I learned how to do it. I do it. I trust myself now. I mean, I'm 60. So I, I've now got there. Eric, you've got 20 years, darling. No, it won't take 20 years. So you guys are going to get it within a few months, this ability to stop going to the favourite bit that's comfortable and feels justified, but then we regret it so much later, don't we, Which because it's done harm again. Mm. and getting stuck in relationships this is what I hear the most from you know friends of mine and and from our community is it's it I feel really stuck I feel misunderstood I ask for the right thing but I don't get it back I I don't know how to bring stuff up without causing conflict I don't know if if we're really good together or not I, Mm -hmm. I don't know where we're at and I think that this this model that you've created it's absolutely brilliant for figuring out where you're at owning your stuff and then ending up at a point after doing this work where you're happy to continue forward growing adding to your relationship rather than tearing little slices off it every time you have a conflict it, it just, does damage, doesn't it? You came up with the expression, Erica, which I love, which is death by a thousand cuts. 
Mm. And, and we do have like a, a big stretch of connection, it might be a 36-lane highway, but every unresolved conflict, and it doesn't have to be loud, it can be just not attended to, it's avoided, and but you know you're not allowed to speak about it again, or it can be a, an intellectual argument or it can be an aggressive argument, whatever, tears. But you cut away at the connection. So relationships are not set in stone. They're either growing mm. through good times, bad times and everything in between, or they're eroding a bit and we're getting a little bit of distance, distance, distance. We're going in a direction or other. And knowing that there are things that you can do in yourself that stops the same old pattern. If one person changes their pattern, mm. you don't need to do the 20 um, domino step dance of we always end up here, which is more damage, more radiation, radioactive um, poison going into it. I stopped it. Like well, We might not be doing the dance together to closer connection, but I stopped the damage. That you can definitely do yourself. And then it actually opens the door for partners to go, to come with something different instead because we haven't done the same old dance. Mm. So good. So this is the end of our first little introduction to MFN. Uh, the next episode, we're going to talk about um, a problem that uh, we've, we've been given to discuss, which is we've got a dominant feminine female in this case and a dominant neutral male mm -hmm. and their problem is that she keeps bringing up her unhappiness and he keeps shutting her down claiming wow. he's too busy with his work to talk about it and she actually doesn't have anything to be upset about because her life is actually really good and they there's a few people out there nodding and it, while it might not be you it might be someone you know that has mm -hmm. that dynamic this is common this is a, a really common um yes. common strategy and i and i guess you know thinking about it in terms of the of the feminine and the neutral takes away a lot of the self-rejection and going there and acknowledging that this might be present i know this has been present in my life and i was the neutral yeah. i was oh, the one oh, minimizing wow. and invalidating going everything's fine i don't know what you're on about and, then that the cry. and the more distressed they are, the more you think, oh, I can't respect them. I just can't stand them. It certainly doesn't help promote intimacy and connection, does it? No. All right. So that's our next episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank so you. We, can I just say, because I love this. So it's sort of like a dear Katie. Dear Katie, I have this issue with it could be children. It could be parents, your literal parents. It could be partner or it could be I'm trying to make sense of this relationship I had. I still feel shame about choosing that person and how badly it ended or I, I just can't reach peace with that or I'm single. I don't want to be, but I don't trust myself to know how to attract the right person and not do the same mistake again. Or once I have a partner, I don't know what I did wrong last time, so I'm really scared that I might mess it up again. So I'm sort of sitting on the fence about even going into relationships. It can be on any of those topics, can't it, Erica? That's great. Yes, let's do that. So so my email address is hello at katieedentodd.com. So send me, your, send me your questions. I promise we'll keep them absolutely anonymous. We will not out you. So tell us your deepest, darkest secrets and we can discuss and get some advice from Katie on the podcast. Oh, I can't wait to do this, people. It's going to be fantastic. And there's so much that we can teach that you'll just find their light bulb. So 
please please write in we'd love to hear from you okay thank you so much thanks erica bye everyone 